I will be playing my college football at the University of Drops to the 50, now steps behind the 50, runs to the right side of the 45, Wisconsin to the 40, throws it long down the field toward the end zone, Devin Smith, touchdown! Devin Smith, he's got it for a touchdown in the middle of the end zone. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Hello and welcome in, everybody. As you can probably see or hear, it's just going to be me this week. No Josh. Unfortunately, he is feeling a little bit under the weather. Got a little bit of a head cold from probably too much partying. Wild kid he is. But thankfully, it's just going to be me and you, the listener, for the next 30, maybe 45 to an hour of nothing but some great college football. We got some big stories to talk about this week, as well as our first bowl preview show. There's 43 bowls this bowl season, including the national championship, and we're going to break it into chunks because trying to cover 43 games is kind of a lot. So this week, we're going to do our first bowl preview, starting with the Myrtle Beach Bowl all the way down to the Gasparilla Bowl. So that's that upcoming Saturday, Saturday the 16th, all the way through Friday the 22nd. Then after that, we'll be taking that second selection of bowls, then the third, then that New Year's Six and playoff goodness. But without further ado, let's just jump right into it. And we're going to start with last Saturday and the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Jane Daniels is your 2023 Heisman Trophy winner, and... I think everybody's pretty happy with that one. There's no denying that he was certainly the best player on his team and certainly one of the best players in the entire country, certainly the best quarterback in the entire country. Um, What I'm kind of shocked with is the full results. So, Jane Daniels was your winner. Michael Penix was the number two. And actually, kind of a close race. There was... Only about 300 votes in between him and Daniels. It's the closest race since 2018 when Kyler Murray edged out Tua Tungavailoa. In third place was Bo Nix. Fourth place, Marvin Harrison Jr. Also, I believe Marvin Harrison Jr.'s 20 first place votes would be the second most by a receiver since, you know, 1994, 1996. Obviously, Devontae Smith won the Heisman back in 2020. At five is Jordan Travis, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I made that argument last week that if the committee kept Florida State out of the playoff because of his injury, he is clearly the most valuable player and certainly one of the best players. And even with him missing just about three full games, two and a half games, he's able to get eight first place votes. Uh, in six was Jalen Milrow, which I feel is a little high. <laughs> um, In seventh is Ollie Gordon. He was the top running back. He got one first place vote. Good for him. And then also Cody Schrader. He got a first place vote. Shout out him. He is an unbelievable story starting as a walk-on in Division II to being the leading rusher in the SEC. He's a six-year senior and certainly the heart and soul of that Tigers offense. In nine is our third running back in a row, Blake Corum, which I feel is justifiable. He's the leading rusher for touchdowns. And at 10 was J.J. McCarthy, which Desmond Howard, I know that that was your first place vote. I, I know that was you. Um, you deserve to lose your vote for that one. 
Oh uh, yeah, it was a you know fantastic season by nine of these players. Um, they certainly were the keys to their team. If I had a vote, I would probably throw in Roma Dunze in there, as I've been saying all season. I think he was the most valuable receiver to his team this year, and a little more deservedly so than Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, but yeah, uh, Michael Penix over Bo Nix, I feel like it's kind of an interesting one. I get it. Penix has the two head-to-head wins over him, but Penix kind of disappeared for most of that second half of the season. He didn't play all that well whether that be because of injury, whether that be because of illness, whatever the case, he certainly wasn't as consistent throughout the season while I feel like Bo Nix was much more consistent. And again, the head-to-head matchup, I get that it matters. But even in those matchups, both quarterbacks played extremely well. Um, I don't understand how one guy can go from the odds-on favorite to a third after one game, which he didn't even play that bad. But it's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, congrats to Jane Daniels. He was probably the difference maker from making LSU a nine-win team versus a probably three-win team. Because without him, he would have been, or that offense would have been awful. Malik Neighbors certainly would fall in his draft stock and fall in his hypeness because he doesn't have any elite quarterback to get him to the get him the ball, and he's an elite playmaker. Um, congrats to Brian Kelly for, I guess, developing a quarterback. Jane Daniels was good at Arizona State, but when he went to LSU last year, he really did take it up another level. Uh, he started seeing the field a lot better, was able to make second and third reads. His accuracy, I feel like, got a lot better. Uh, when he was a freshman, sophomore at Arizona State, he was extremely raw, but was showing signs of like okay there there's good there's a good quarterback in there he just didn't have the support staff to bring that out of him well I feel like Brian Kelly did a phenomenal job doing that and kind of a I guess underrated quality of Brian Kelly when he's at Notre Dame he never really had a great quarterback Deshaun Kaiser I guess is his one claim of fame maybe Ian Book if you're a, a book fan out there yeah, I think that actually says a lot about him, and I would imagine that as this transfer portal madness continues to go on, quarterbacks are going to see what he was able to do with Jane Daniels and think maybe he can do that for me. And also credit to Mike Denbrock, the offense coordinator, one of the top offense coordinators in the entire country, one of the top assistant coaches in the entire country. Again, did a phenomenal job um, developing Daniels and turning him into the Heisman winner. Moving on, we had our one game on Saturday, the standalone game, which is one of my favorite games of the entire year, and that was Army-Navy. We previewed it a little bit the other week, and Army was able to defeat Navy for, I believe, the third consecutive, fourth consecutive year. They won 17-11. to They secure the Commander-in-Chief trophy. They take it back from Air Force. If Navy were to win this game, it would have been a shared Commander-in-Chief trophy because it would have been a three-way tie with Army being Air Force, Air Force being Navy, and then Navy being Army. But that's not the case. Army is the sole possessor of the Commander-in-Chief trophy. And this was an all-time Army-Navy game. 
Army certainly looked like they had it from the get-go. They were able to move the ball downfield a lot more efficiently than Navy. They were able to make big plays happen. They were able to capitalize off of turnovers. Navy threw one interception, fumbled the ball, turned it over on downs. Like Army was just like able to capitalize off of that. And shout out to the Army running back, Kanye Udo. I think it's awesome that there's a college football player named Kanye, and he also plays for the Army. I think that's kind of funny. Uh, he had a big performance. The entire Army team as a whole rushed over 200 yards. They outgained Navy 200 to 130, which I feel like is the big predictor of success in an Army-Navy matchup or a triple option matchup. Whoever runs the ball the most and whoever runs the ball the most efficient probably going to win the game because they're going to play time and possession and they're going to grind out drives. There was a point in this game where Army had, I believe it was like a 15-play touchdown drive, 14-play touchdown drive. Like, that's that's impressive. Versus Navy, they got down early. They were down like 10 nothing, so they had to kind of start throwing the ball. That led to turnovers because Navy's not equipped to throw the ball. And even in this iteration of Navy where... They've kind of transitioned into a more spread offense versus the traditional wishbone offense. Uh, a lot more shotgun, a lot more um, you know, three wide receivers, uh, two running back sets, but in the backfield, not offset. Uh, yeah, it it was a big difference maker, and Navy had to throw the ball through some interceptions. But then in the second half, late in the second half, Navy had a chance. They got some stops on fourth down, forced Army to punt, Got a good turnover, and they made it into a ball game. They made it 17-9. And you're like, okay, Navy's got a chance. Get a quick score. On their final possession, they're driving, driving, driving. And what sets up an all-time Army-Navy showdown, you have four plays from inside the 10-yard line, and they only got nine yards. With Army coming up with the play of the game, they stuffed Navy on fourth down from the one-yard line. And one of the most beautiful pictures, just go look at it. It's just 22 bodies in a huddled mass on the one-yard line, preventing a, uh, I guess you would still need a two-point conversion, but, or, yeah, still need a two-point conversion. Stopping them short. Um, yeah, phenomenal job by the Army defense. And then was an all-time... You can call it a bad beat if you're a fan of the under. This game historically always go under, except last year. But they're up by a score, and they figured, hey, we're not going to give Navy a chance at getting a fumble in our one yard. We're not going to fumble snap. So Army just hiked the ball, took the intentional safety. That cranked it to total of 28 and the over of 27 hits. All-time one on that one. So yeah, again, congrats to Army for winning the Commander Chief Trophy. I think this is only the second time since like the start of 2000. Maybe it's the third time from the start of 2000. There was a long time where Army was the worst of the service academies. It was always kind of Air Force. Then Navy had a great resurgence in the late 2000s, early 2010s, up until like 20. 2015-2016 before Keenan Reynolds left. Then it's 
Air Force kind of took control, but Army, Army was always there. And shout out to Jeff Munkin, the Army coach. He has done a phenomenal job with them. They finished the year six and six. They started off kind of slow. They kind of tried to change up their offense, try to navigate these new triple option blocking rules where the linemen aren't allowed to chop and they aren't allowed to get low, which is kind of the whole point of running a wishbone triple option offense. And they lost, what was it, one, two, three, four, five straight, including some bad losses to UMass, Boston College, Syracuse. But then they rattled off three straight. They beat Air Force, beat Coastal. Now they beat Navy. Jeff Munk is a phenomenal coach, and I hope he continues to build what he's got going on at Army. Now let's get into our bowl previews. And I absolutely love bowl games. I think it's the greatest part of the year it's the most unique postseason amongst any sports where you have these exhibition games and if you're in the crowd that says there's too many bowl games bowl games don't matter anymore shut up and just go christmas carol or something go watch a play because if you think that these players that have played their entire careers they've grinded this entire season to not get another week of football. Some of these guys are going to be playing their last ever football game. They're going to get their last ever practices. And if you think that they don't want it, they don't want it to matter, they don't... No, get, get out of here with that. Get out of here with that. Bowl games are special. They still are. Just because this new playoff has forced more players to opt out and guys don't really care as much at big programs doesn't make it any more important for these guys and you have guys that are spending winters in northern Ohio or in Wisconsin and wherever it might be cold and they get a chance to go to Boca Raton Myrtle Beach previously the Bahamas Arizona California like you know these nice sunny places beautiful places and these guys are there for a while like they get to enjoy the festivities, they get to go to amusement parks and zoos and bull ridings and all this random stuff that a city has to offer. It's awesome. It's awesome for the players that don't normally get to experience this on a normal game week. Also, these bowl games are important for teams going into next year. They get that extra week or two weeks or three weeks of practices, which is huge for development of a lot of these guys. And me personally, I always see teams that finish strong with a bowl win if they go like seven and five and with a bowl win they return a lot of starters to me i take that as a huge indicator of success for the following year i can remember back in you know 2014 stanford went to like the arizona bowl or the foster farms bowl some crappy bowl game and they were like seven and five six and six but this guy named christian mccaffrey had a huge game rushing for like 200 yards in 2014 Guess what? They returned a lot of those stars. They returned that Christian McCaffrey guy. Ended up being good. Anyway, that's just my little bowl rant. On to our actual first bowl game preview. So Myrtle Beach Bowl. We got Georgia Southern Golden Eagles versus the Ohio Bobcats. And Georgia Southern, they started off the season super hot. Just went 5-1 and one under Clay Helton, the former USC coach. And all looked good in Statesboro. Then they finished the season one and five, and the offense really struggled towards down stretch. They were losing some bad matchups. They were getting blown out. Uh, they haven't won a game where they don't score thirty five points, 
and they are a very good passing team and a very efficient passing team as long as a balanced run game, which is kind of a hallmark of a Clay Helton offense. Um, but when they get held under 35 points, they just can't win because the defense is just not as good. And they're going against an Ohio team who is going to be on their third-string quarterback with Curtis Rourke in the transfer portal. The backup is hurt as well. They're losing their top two rushers. They're losing their top two receivers. Ohio's defense is still very good. They haven't allowed an opponent over 23 points once all year, which is going to make for a very interesting game where you have one really good offense versus one really good defense, and then a crappy defense versus an offense that doesn't have a whole lot of production. So for this one, I think I'm going Georgia Southern minus three and a half. Josh is with me on this one. He gave all of his picks before the show started. And we are both going to ride with Clay Helton winning a bowl game in his first season for Georgia Southern. Next on Saturday, we have the RNL Carriers Bowl, where we have first-year FBS team Jacksonville State taking on University of Louisiana. Jacksonville State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. If you recall, Jacksonville State is only able to play in this bowl game because there wasn't enough bowl-eligible teams from the normal FBS. So them and James Madison got special exemptions to fill out all the bowl requirements and they get to play in their first year in the FBS in a bowl game which I think is pretty cool the Gamecocks are led under coach Rich Rodriguez and his patent spread offense which is up tempo run first but spread out wide then attack with quick passing games they play a lot of bend don't break defense and they really made a statement in Conference USA this year. Uh, some of their losses were like to Liberty. Like they did a fantastic job in their first year, and that's honestly impressive considering the talent that they brought up with them from the FCS to the FBS, where they're they're able to win you know, seven games. Uh, so shout out to Rich Rod on this one. Uh, yeah, they take on the Louisiana Ragent Cajuns. It is a very uh, offensive-focused team. They are 6-0 when they score 31-plus points, and they're 0-6 when they don't score 31 points. Good news for uh, Louisiana. Jackson's, Jacksonville State has only scored 31-plus all year. So if this game gets into a shootout, I think Louisiana is going to be okay with this one, and I am taking them at plus 3.5. Josh says he's got him at minus. He's got Jacksonville State at minus three and a half. So we're going to disagree on that one. Also, quick correction: Jacksonville State actually won eight games this year, uh, not seven. On to maybe my favorite bowl name for this season: it's the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. Avocados from Mexico. I think that's just hilarious. Also, this game is not in Mexico. This game is being played in Orlando, Florida. And it is the MAC champion Miami Red Hawk, Miami of Ohio Red Hawks versus a TFU f- team favorite, uh, Appalachian State. App State is minus six points. They're a six-point favorite 
in this one. And I'm kind of surprised with that one. Miami, Ohio is coming off a MAC championship. However, they are without their top two quarterbacks, Avion Smith, who started in that MAC championship. He is now in the transfer portal. And the starter for most of the season, Brett Gabbert. Yes, he is the brother of Blaine Gabbert, the former first round pick and Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. He has been hurt all season. But who they do have is the All-American kicker, the only first-team All-American from the MAC, Graham Nicholson, who is 26 for 27 of field goals this year with a long of 52. That guy's going to be playing in the NFL on Sundays. Uh, Chuck Martin's in his, like, feels like 15th year now at Miami, and this is his second MAC championship. I love Miami's defense. They were able to shut down Toledo really well. They have a great run defense. It's kind of that bend, don't break style, and they really do not break at all. It is truly just bend where they'll let up, you know, 40 yard drives, but it's going to end with a punt or end in a field goal. Like they rarely give up touchdowns. And they're going up against an App State team who is without their top running back, Nate Noel and Deshaun Davis. I'm worried about App State on this one. They have shown that they can lose to more physical teams like Coastal Carolina, like Old Dominion, like North Carolina. If they get into a shootout, it's not looking good for them, especially without their top two offensive targets. I do love the App State run attack. However, I think the Red Hawks are going to be way too much for them. Give me Miami of Ohio on this one, plus six, and straight up. Josh also agreeing with me. He's taking Miami of Ohio. Next on Saturday is the Isleta New Mexico Bowl. I have no idea who Isleta is. That is a new sponsor. I'm going to look this up real quick. Isleta. What do they do? It would appear Isleta is a resort and casino in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Huh. That's a fun fact. Oh, wait. I'm like 90% sure I've been to this casino before. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I have been here. Interesting. Good for them that they can sponsor a bowl game. Uh, yeah, shout out, shout out the boy uh, Jeff. He got married here. That's awesome. Oh, uh, yeah, so the Isleta New Mexico Bowl. This game being played in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it is New Mexico State taking on Fresno State. New Mexico State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and they are coming off of an awesome, awesome year in Las Cruces. If you recall, they were able to upset Auburn in Jordan O'Hare Stadium. They honestly played a lot better against them than Alabama did. Uh, Diego Paiva, he's banged up in that Conference USA Championship game where they lost to Liberty, but he had a great performance. He should be healthy in this one. They are without their top wideout, Trent Henderson. However, they do have Eli Stowers, who was like second in the team in receptions and touchdowns and yards as well. While Fresno State is without one, their head coach, Jeff Tedford, who is dealing with some health issues, which is pretty you know, concerning. He's not fully retired, but I feel like he's got to be coming to the end of his coaching career. And they're also without their backup QB, Logan Fafi, which is a little bit concerning because Mikey Keene, the starting QB, has been banged up really late down the stretch where they lost their last three games and 
Two of those were to very bad teams like New Mexico and San Diego State. The Fresno State offense has really stalled and looked lackluster the last December. If you remember, there was a point in time where Fresno State was a top 25 team. We talked about them winning the Mountain West and potentially being that number one group of five team that could go to a New Year's Six Bowl. However, they, again, lost some tough games to Air Force, lost some tough games to Wyoming, lost some bad games to the aforementioned New Mexico and San Diego State. So with that, I'm believing the boys, I'm believing the Aggies, giving New Mexico State on this one. I think what Jerry Kill has done down there is nothing short of phenomenal. Uh, New Mexico State is a historically awful program. It's just hard to recruit. It They never really had a conference. They were independents for a couple of years. They played in the Sun Belt. Now they're in the Conference USA. I think it was Kill's second year. They got him to the Conference USA championship game. They hung tight with Liberty, but unfortunately weren't able to pull it out. Yeah, giving New Mexico State with this one, I'm taking them to cover that three and a half. I don't think Fresno State has the offensive firepower to keep up with them. I think Diego Paeva is an awesome quarterback. He's fun. He's everything that you want in a college football quarterback. Runs the ball, throws the ball, plays with reckless abandonment. Is it best for his health? Probably not, but he's just fun. Quick side note, no one really talks about how difficult it is to talk to yourself in a microphone for like three hours. Like my roommate probably thinks I'm crazy just talking like this. My dad always told me that it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't talk back. And I feel like I'm kind of talking back right now. So I maybe I'm going insane, guys. I don't know. But, <laughs> oh God, Tyler. Anyway, anyway. Later on Saturday, we have the Starco Brands LA Bowl presented by Gronk. Yes, Rob Gronkowski is presenting a bowl game because why not? Last couple of years, it was Jimmy Kimmel because, again, why shouldn't a late-night, semi-problematic comedian host a bowl game? Why can't Gronk host a bowl game? Which is it's hilarious. This is absolutely hilarious. Um... In what I'm going to dub the Gronk Bowl, we have UCLA taking on Boise State. UCLA is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm actually very surprised that UCLA is a three-and-a-half-point favorite because Boise State's one of the hottest teams to close out the season. They finished the year 5-1. and one. They won the Mountain West Championship over UNLV. They promoted their interim coach, Spencer Danielson, to head coach after they fired Andy Avalos with, like, six games left in the season and it worked out and the biggest concern for the Boise offense is their quarterback Taylor Green he is entering the transfer portal so he's not going to play in this game he is a fantastic quarterback that can both take you out through the air take you out in the run game he's a big body guy that can run over a guy he's got good strides and can make a big play happen he's got good touch Arm strength yeah, may a little bit be desired. However, that's a tough loss for the Broncos. However, what is big for Boise State is the second-team All-American Ashton Genty. He's coming back for another year. I've been a big fan of his game all season long. Ran for 12,000 yards this year. Another f- 
or excuse me, 1,200 yards. 12,000 yards would be, <laughs> oh, that'd be insane. That'd be absurd. Uh, yeah, he ran for 1,200 yards this season and caught an additional 500 out of the backfield. He has 19 total touchdowns. And Boise State really has a great pedigree of running backs dating back to like LeGarrette Blount, or not LeGarrette Blount, excuse me, um, Doug Martin, like from that late 2000s. Ajayi, um, Aj- he was a great running back with them. Um, I'm playing on some other guy that was in the NFL. Anyway, they're taking on UCLA, who really limped into the back half of the season. There was a point in time where UCLA was looking like a top 15, top 12 team. Everyone's saying, oh, Chip Kelly's finally done it. He's turned this UCLA team around. Dante Moore, while struggling a little bit as a true freshman, like maybe he'll come about. And then UCLA, like the wheels just really fell off the bus. They got embarrassed. They just looked bad for like the final four weeks of the season. They f- are limping in this one at 7-5. and five. Yeah, they lost a tough one to Oregon State. Like lost a really bad one against Arizona and Arizona State was able to beat USC and then just got blown out by Cal, like losing three of your final four. It's not a good way. I thought Chip Kelly was on his way out, but he's coming back for another season. Who is out is their top edge rusher, Leitu Leitu, who you figure is going to be a top ten pick in this year's NFL draft. Uh, Dante Moore, as I mentioned, he is now in the transfer portal. Who knows where he goes? Ethan Garbers is expected to be back for this one. He was hurt in that Cal game. Uh, their defense coordinator, D'Anthony Lynn, he left to go across LA, across the, what was that freeway? Probably the 10 freeway uh, to USC. Eh, 110, 10 freeway. Doesn't matter. Uh, he's joined the Trojans now. And the pride of this UCLA team was that Lynn defense and Leitu Leitu really anchoring that defensive line at the edge position. Give me Boise on this one. Give me Boise State straight up on this one. I think that they could beat UCLA probably around a 24-14, 24-17. I don't think this UCLA offense has the fire, the firepower right now, and they're kind of limping in while Boise State is, you know, they're pumped for this one. Danielson wants to get his first win as an official head coach under, at the Broncos. Like He wants to party with Gronk after the game. And I read that Gronk's be singing the national anthem, which, why? Like, we, we don't, Gronk, we don't need you to sing the national anthem. I, I saw you a masked singer. Like, it, it can't be that good. It, it's going to be like Roseanne Barr level of bad. And kids, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Roseanne Barr national anthem. It's awful. It's awful. Probably like one of the funniest moments in American patriotism sports history. Speaking of American patriotism, so our final game on Saturday, and that is the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. And one of my favorite parts about bowl season is you get a lot of companies sponsoring bowl games or people like Gronk. Um, and you kind of like, oh, yeah, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl or the VRB, VR, VRBO Fiesta Bowl or whatever the, you know, the City Group Bowl game or the Fiesta Bowl, all these bowl games that you're like, oh, I know what that is. Then you get to something like Radius Technologies. What's this? So I Googled it. 
They make drones. <laughs> they make lasers. <laughs> it's a it's a defense company. <laughs> Nothing more American than uh, a defense company that builds weapons and lasers that are being used right now across the world. Um, not for good. Uh, to sponsor a bunch of eighteen to twenty five year olds that are not getting paid nearly enough money in this game to play this. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, but yeah, in the Independence Bowl in beautiful Sharif Point, Louisiana, we have Cal taking on Texas Tech. And Texas Tech is a two and a half point favorite. And I cannot think of a bigger cultural clash than a school in Berkeley going to Shreve Point, Louisiana. I am willing to bet not a single fan of Cal has ever been to Shreveport, Louisiana. I would doubt 90% of Cal fans have even been to Louisiana. But honestly, I think this should be one of the better games of Saturday. Both these teams are very similar. Uh, they both love to run the ball. And kind of different ways of how they got here this season. Tech, who I thought was a Big 12 dark horse winner, uh, had that predicted on my preview show. Obviously didn't work out. Um, they lost their starting quarterback, Tyler Shuck, with a broken leg, like the third or fourth game of the season. And they just had like a tough string of losses. They lost to Wyoming. They lost to Oregon. They lost like all these tough ones. And they kind of came alive to that late end of the season. And then they got blown out by Texas to close out the season. While Cal sucked pretty much all year. But they were able to win their final three games of the year including wins against their rivals Stanford and rival UCLA. And Justin Wilcox really saved his job. Uh, this is the first bowl game they're going to be making since, I believe, 20, 2019 or 2021. I'll have to double-check that. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a, a very fun one. Jaden Ott, the running back for Cal, he was named first-team Pac-12. Taj Brooks, the running back for Texas Tech, he announced that he's coming back for another year. Many thought that he'd probably go pro into the NFL. And I honestly, I think this one's a coin toss. Uh, I'm probably leaning more towards Cal just because I like the freshman quarterback, Fernando Mendoza. He's emerged as kind of the guy behind the position. Ben, fin ben Finley and Sam Jackson was kind of a rotating cast. They both sucked and they have both down the transfer portal. So it is the Mendoza show. He played great against UCLA. While on the other hand, yeah, Tech, you have Baron Morton, who has been kind of up and down, taking over for Shuck. Uh, I think he's still like a sophomore or freshman, so understandable. I'm going to go... In, th in these kind of games, I always like to side with defense. And I think Texas Tech plays much better defense than Cal, which is kind of surprising because Justin Wilcox, a defensive guy really sucked on defense this year. Going with Tim DeRuiter's defense for Tech this year, I liked him to cover that two and a half, and so does Josh. On to Monday now, 12-18. This one's at 2-30. Something else I love about bowl season is it'll be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday during the work week, like that week lead up to Christmas. And... If you're my current 
or former or future employer, what I'm about to say is purely satirical and purely hypothetical. Nothing I love more than just turning on the TV and watching some just football in the afternoon. Like, there's maybe a thousand people, <laughs> five thousand people in the stands, chilling on a Monday in like some tropical location. It's like 20 degrees outside New York. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to watch some football today. Again, if you're a current or past or even a future employer, this is all, uh, it's all satire. This is all jokes. This is all not true. So on Monday, we have the Famous Toastery Bowl. And Famous Toastery, I have no idea what that is. Had to look it up as well. It is just a toast brand, toast chain, a uh, bakery chain in like the North Carolina region. Um, this game is being played in Charlotte, North Carolina, which makes sense. This was formerly the Bahamas Bowl, which has now been relocated to Charlotte because they're renovating that Bahamas Stadium, which sucks if you are Western Kentucky and Old Dominion who are playing this game. You have the chance to go to the Bahamas for a week. Instead, you're just going to Charlotte. Like, that's a, that's a big downgrade. But in this one, Old Dominion is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Western Kentucky. Again, I find that kind of interesting. Old Dominion uh, had a decent end of their season. They start off all right, lost three in a row to some good teams in James Madison, Coastal, and Liberty, but were able to upset Georgia Southern, able to upset Georgia State to get bowl eligible, get to that six-win mark. And they're coming in this one favored against one of the best passing attacks in the entire country in Western Kentucky. They regressed a little bit from last year. However, they still have Austin Reed at quarterback. They still have Malachi Corley, Corley, excuse me, Malachi Corley at receiver. They still have Dalvin Smith. And I like the offense in this one. I like the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. I really hope that they wear their big red uniform in this one where they have the mascot on their helmet. That does like a different pose depending on the position he's playing. Like they had a the mascot throwing the ball if you're a quarterback and mascot like hitting the Heisman if you're a running back or mascot in a three-point stance if you're a lineman. It's, it's, it's just really funny. Please, if you're listening, watching, Google it right now. Pause the show. Google Western Kentucky big red mascot uniform. Anyway, uh, yeah, I like Western Kentucky in this one. Uh, they are the two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Josh is taking the Old Dominion. Monarchs. Yeah, the Monarchs. Kind of a weird name. He's taking them on this one. On Tuesday, we have the Scooter Coffee Frisco Bowl. This one being played mid-afternoon or late. Oh, damn, just late on Tuesday. I was hoping I'd get another midday game. Uh, And one of the TFU favorite teams, UTSA, uh, Frank Harris and Jeff Trailer running it back for one last game. Frank Harris on his seventh year. If you recall, I predicted them to win the American. Been a big fan of that offense the last couple of years. I love how much they run the ball, the quick passing game. Frank Harris is a very dynamic athlete. Yes, he's 24, maybe 25. He's in his seventh year, but you know what? It's okay. Uh, they lost the kind of playing game for the American Championship when they lost it to Tulane, and really they played a horrible, horrible game. They had like five turnovers, four in the first half, or they really dug themselves deep into a hole. Uh, yeah, give me the Roadrunners on this one, making the 
I don't know if that's a short trip from San Antonio to Frisco. Yeah, it's a, closer than it is West Virginia, where Marshall's located. Oh, I forgot to mention, UTSA, 10-point favorite in this one. And I am hammering the Roadrunners as those 10-point favorite. Marshall has just about half their team in the transfer portal. And in these type of games, when you're playing your backups' backups, it's it's looking rough. And Marshall really had to fight to get here. Like they started the year 4-0. And they lost five straight. And they had to win their final two just to get bowl eligible. Or two of their last three to get bowl eligible. And barely just did that. Uh, Yeah. Give me the Roadrunners on this one. On Thursday, our second to last preview. I know you guys are probably sick of listening to my voice. Actually, let's do something fun. If you are still listening right now, DM me on Twitter. Twitter handle at it's Ty the guy and say say you've gotten to this mark say the special key phrase it's going to be coffee and whiskey say coffee DM me coffee and whiskey on Twitter if you've gotten this far because God bless you if you can listen to my voice for like what am I, 45 minutes straight Jesus Tyler uh, and if you do that I'll, I'll give you a little some TFU swag and you know Hell, Venmo you $10. Drop your Venmo in that DM as well. <laughs> Only the first person. Only the first person to do this. I'm I'm not made of money, everybody. Come on. Uh, yes, on Thursday, we have the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. And RoofClaim is exactly what it sounds like. It is a website that you get your roof fixed. How this company has enough money to sponsor a bowl game, I have no idea. But we have the UCF Bulls taking on the Syracuse Orange. Syracuse is a three-point favorite. And in bowl games where you have a team like Syracuse who started off hot 6-0 and and then just dropped, or I guess started 4-0 and then lost six in a row, uh, just cratered the entire season. Just hit my mic there, sorry. Cratered their entire season. They fired Dino Babers. Surprisingly, none of the players have left the transfer portal. Uh, they hired Fran Brown from Georgia, who was the DB coach at Georgia, which I kind of find surprising that nobody's left the program yet because Dino Bears recruited them all. I don't know how they're favored, is what I'm trying to say. I don't know how a team that just fired their head coach, fired their entire staff, would be favored against a USF team who is shockingly good like they took Bama to the wire to start the season and yes a lot can change from the second week of the season but they were competitive in just about all their games and they score a lot of points a lot of points scored 40 against Charlotte 50 against Memphis in a loss 35 against UAB uh yeah I'm all over the Bulls on this one I like what they've been able to do all season they have a great rushing attack I am a good fan of Byron Brown I think he's a good quarterback both running and passing Naquan Wright the running back for the Bulls a very shifty running back they are able to plug guys in and out that position uh Sean Atkins the receiver almost to a thousand yards this year I'm all over the Bulls on this one uh I don't think Syracuse has the defense to keep up. I think that they're going to get into a little bit of a shootout. Syracuse, they went one, two, three, four straight weeks. Five straight weeks. Or see, four straight weeks 
of scoring less than 17 points, yeah, I'm not... I don't think the Shredder-Schrader offense can do it. Give me the Bulls. Who does Josh have here? Josh has Syracuse at minus three, so we'll have a little bit of disagreement there. And our final game preview for the day. We have the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. This game being played in Tampa, Florida. And it is the UCF Golden Knights taking on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Uh, both these teams kind of having interesting six and six seasons. Georgia Tech, you're like, wow, you guys got to six and six. Like, that's really good. Like, I, it's incredible what they were able to do um, and the turnaround they've been able to make. Versus UCF, you're like, y'all are six and six. Granted, uh, this is their first year in the Big 12, and they really struggled in that first year. They lost their first five Big 12 matchups. They really, their marquee win of this year was that huge upset win against Oklahoma State where they trounced them 45-3, to but they lost some bad games. Losing to Baylor, but losing to Kansas State, losing to Texas Tech. They were able to beat uh, Cincinnati and Houston, though, so at least didn't lose to the worst of the new additions. Uh, and matchups like these where you, again, Georgia Tech, they were pulling off upsets against UNC, pulling off upsets against Miami. They took Georgia down late, or took them down to the wire late. They lost by a score. I'm all in on the Yellow Jackets on this one. I like what Haynes Keen do does. I'm talking way too fast there. I like what he does. Again, another dynamic runner and passer, the transfer from AM. Uh, I think Georgia Tech has a very strong defense. I think that they can shut down the John Reese Plumley led Knights. Uh, UCF has a couple of guys in the portal, while Georgia Tech does not. Yeah, I'm all over Georgia Tech on this one at plus four and a half. And Josh has them at minus four and a half. So, again, we disagree slightly. That's going to do it for part one of our bowl previews. Do I want to get into any of the coaching carousel and transfer stuff yet? No, we're going to save it for when Josh gets back because I think it's just more is going to happen and it's going to be better just to do them all at once. Yes, there is a lot of movement in the portal with guys both entering, transferring, uh, deciding to go to the NFL. Lots of coaching carousel movement of head coaches taking jobs, OCs taking new OC jobs, head coaches taking assistant jobs, and coaches filling out their staffs. Once we get a better picture, we can discuss some of the more marquee hires and hires that we find interesting. But you can hear the music right now. The band's playing me off, which is funny because that's just me playing myself off editing this. <laughs> Wow, you guys are really listening deep into my mind of my ADHD just talking to myself. Um, yeah, if you have made it this far, again, listening, thank you. Um, you probably should see a psychologist also, because <laughs> we're a psychiatrist. We're, we're probably all crazy if we're listening to one guy ramble about college football for 55 minutes. Golly. Yeah, it's probably only closer to 45. I gotta do some editing out of this one. Um, but yeah, bowl week's upon us. Um, the weather's getting the weather's getting a little a little cooler. It's a nip in the air. Christmas is around the corner, and it's the most wonderful time of the year. Again, Josh will be back for our hopefully 
part two, of the, not hopefully our part two of the preview, but hopefully he'll be back for part two of the preview as we get into the games from Saturday, December 23rd through probably mm, Wednesday, the 27th. So we'll cover the, uh, what is that? The 76th Birmingham Bowl all the way through the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Well, that'll do it. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, go subscribe to the Patreon to help us out. It is very, very helpful. Please leave us a five-star rating on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that be Spotify, Apple. Apparently, YouTube has podcasts now, and we're posting there. Uh, I got to talk to Josh on that one because I did not know that. Uh, so, yeah, go subscribe to that YouTube. Go rate us everywhere you can. It helps us grow. It helps us get seen. Uh we're going to try to get better at this. It helps when I have a co-host I can talk with, not just talk straight into a camera, into a microphone by myself. And I think overall we've gotten better from week one. Uh, yeah, just I love doing this. Even if no one listens, it's fun doing it. Uh, so we'll catch you probably mm, next Thursday. Part two will be coming out. Part one should be coming out this Thursday. If you are listening uh, on Friday when it comes out, that's just because I didn't get to the edit in time. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop talking. I sound like a crazy person. Till next time, take care. Bye-bye.